Hallelujah. Victory, victory shall be mine. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's sing this song once again from the islands. I, I love to see the islands worshiping the Lord, to know that the islands of the sea have heard the gospel, responded to the gospel, and thousands are coming to Christ around the world today. It's only America that's in the slump and the, and the lack of enthusiasm and the lack of, of, of commitment to Christ. It's only America that's filled with so many distractions that we have. And some of them we bring upon ourselves. You know, your flesh loves pleasure more than it loves God. Amen? There's no doubt about it. Your flesh would rather be having fun than worshiping God. That's the flesh. And part of the flesh is that selfishness. It's all about self. You can't follow Jesus without dealing with it. If any man would be my disciple, let him, number one, first prerequisite, deny himself. That part of your life Amen. That's still actively pursuing that that only satisfies the flesh. Remember the story of the man who started a work in Alaska among the Eskimo people as a missionary. Came back a year later, had appointed one of the most spiritual ones among them to be the, be the leader and the pastor uh, of that particular church that had come through so many coming to Christ. And he came back and he asked him, how's it going with you? I see that the church is growing and more people are coming to know the Lord. How is it with you? He said, there are two dogs in me and they fight all the time. One of them wants to do the wrong things and one of them is set to do the right thing. And the missionary asked that loaded poignant pointed question well which one usually wins he said the one i feed the most amen and you know what part of my job and my calling is jeremiah three fifteen. i will give you pastors shepherds is the word that was used after my own heart and they will feed you with knowledge and understanding they will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Amen. When you get hungry, you mentioned hungry on the website and how before I even said it here under the anointing, you had already put it uh, as a headline. If you're hungry, you see, and you're thirsty for righteousness, if you want to be a true follower of Jesus, the promise is that you're going to be filled with what you're hungry for. Amen. Every time I saw filled as a Pentecostal, I thought of the power of God. But the context of that scripture is not for more power. It's for more devotion to him. It's for more devotion to him. It takes a lot of devotion to deny yourself. Because self usually rules and reigns. And Jesus can't be Lord as long as it does. Someone said it very truly. If he's not Lord of everything. Are you strapped in? There's turbulence ahead. This is the captain speaking. Amen. It's going to get rough on the flesh around him. 
listen to me. Listen, you don't need any help feeding it. Everything in this whole world is geared to distract you, dissuade you, get you so spiritually empty that when the real trials and trouble come, there's no faith to trust God. There's no, there, there's a, a sense that God is so far and so distant and God wants to be so close and so near to you. And he wants you to be so close to him that you can dwell under the shadow of the almighty and not be afraid of what's scaring the world to death. Can you say, man, glory be to God. Hallelujah. Bless you. If you're, if Jesus isn't Lord of everything, then he's not Lord of anything because he's truly not Lord at all. Does that make sense to you? Does it make any sense? What does Lord mean? It means master, absolute, undisputed master. That's why the kingdom of God is where a king rules in undisputed authority. Can you say amen? That's what a kingdom is. It's where a king rules, where there's no one that is opposing. There's no one that's not under his jurisdiction. And when your flesh and my flesh is under his jurisdiction, amen, he's going to lead you in paths of what? For whose name's sake? For his name's sake. We bear the name of a great and mighty king, of a wonderful savior and sovereign. Praise God. And for his name's sake, he wants us to represent him down here as ambassadors of who? Of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I'll tell you, if this place, if this, I don't hang my head to go anywhere in any setting because I'm a child of the most high God. Amen. I'm humbled by that, but I'm also confident in the Lord. Praise God. And I'm competent in him too. Hallelujah. Listen to me carefully today. This is where God is leading us this season. He's looking for people hungry and thirsty for righteousness, for they shall be filled with what? What's the context? What is the issue there? What is the outstanding highlighted portion of that scripture? Righteousness. Righteousness. What is righteousness? It means right, wise with God. Seek the Lord and his righteousness. And all these things that the Gentiles are selling their soul for. Literally. Put God first. Let Jesus be truly the Lord of your life. And all these things that people are compromising. There are people right now that could be in church, but they got, they're, they're caught in the trap of responsibilities in the material world. And when the push comes to shove, the kingdom always loses. But did you know what the Bible said when that happens? There's an Old Testament scripture that says, you put your money into bags with holes. You keep making it, but it just don't go nowhere. It ne- or, is anybody understand what money in bags with holes? You can have a bag full of money, but if a bag got a hole in it, it's going to drain right on out. It's going to be like gravy through a goose. And only thing, you're going to work overtime. You're going you're gonna to give yourself to whatever it is. And you're going to lose the kingdom blessing. And a friend of mine, I remember when I walked off of, of a good job with Tampa Electric for the kingdom. 
Hallelujah. You know what Jesus said to those people? He said, we've left all to follow you. He looked them in the eye and said, did you like anything? Did you ever go to bed hungry? No. Did you ever not have shelter? No. Amen. Did, 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 you, did you have the security of your fishing business, Peter? No. Did you have the security that God would take care of you and meet your every need? Yes. So which would you rather have? Your business or his blessing? I'll take his blessing. Which would you rather have? A full meal barrel that can get bugs in it? Get stolen? Get used up? Or a meal barrel almost empty with God's blessing on it that can't ever run dry? Amen? Give that meal barrel a clap if you'd rather have it. Give me a meal barrel that can't run dry. A supernatural provision, supernatural blessing, the blessing of the Lord. It maketh rich. Oh, you ought to get online. You ought to, you ought to listen for 30 minutes of your valuable time. Can you say, man, I'm, I'm serious. The word of God is transforming and be no more conformed to this world, literally pushed into this world's mold, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. How does that happen? It's when the word of God, when you expose yourself to it, you give heed to it. It's transforming of the mind and particularly the spirit of your mind. Amen. Amen. Because when you get saved, immediately your inward man is regenerated. But there's still, that doesn't transfer to your life until the mind gets renewed. Amen? Because as a man thinketh in his heart, and that it's the context that determines what heart means. Trust in the Lord with all your heart means with your spirit and not just your head. But as a man thinketh in his heart, so he is, has to do with the mind, the soul part of you. As a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. If you're still sitting here thinking, I'm an infinitesimal speck, I'm, I'm, I'm unworthy, I can't accomplish anything for God, there's no point in me seeking him for my calling because he wouldn't call me anyway because I have disqualified myself because I'm just too sorry and rotten. I mess up too much. I fail too many times. I'm not what I ought to be, and I never will be. And he probably doesn't love me like he loves Brother Venable. You need, that, that is stinking thinking. Look at somebody and said, boy, that stinks. That's stinking thinking. God doesn't have no pets. God has, yeah. <laughs> I thought Sean left a tennis shoe here. Anyway, moving <laughs> Moving right along. <laughs> yeah, they, they don't need a bug man. They borrow one of his tennis shoes and sit it. They go, off to the, they go off to the mall, and the time they get back, the roaches are packed up and moving out. <laughs> the ones that survived. Anyway, God is good, and his mercy endures forever. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We're going we're gonna to go to this praise song in just a moment. I want to get in the word for just a little while because it's already here. The anointing's here. Can you tell the anointing is here? It's already here. It, it won't take long. We'll redeem the time because I want... Like, how many were here last week? How many heard something about your conscience being sprinkled from evil? Getting rid of the guilt. 
getting God's forgiveness is the easiest part of the restoration God wants to bring to his people. Getting people's forgiveness is the next harder part. Everyone will not forgive you. Christian brethren should, but there are Christian brethren holding grudges right now that go back down through the years. I called the lady that was passing that had been in our church for several years, and she was surprised by my, you called, and I got on the phone. And I wanted that person to know I bear no grudge. I have nothing but but love for you, and I am praying for you. And that person was overwhelmed that after they had done so much bad that someone would want to do them good in return. I'm glad that someone is overwhelmed by that. The nurse answered, and she said, well, I'll have to ask her. You know, and I could hear her back there. She said, the Venables? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was so she was so happy to hear uh, that someone that had been offended, you know, and been hurt by that person's attitude and words that were sown, still loved them and forgave them and wanted to be a comfort to them when they were getting ready to go home. I'll tell you, it's, it's worth everything to have that kind of peace, to walk in that kind of forgiveness, to get rid of the, the baggage and the junk that can weigh you down and distract you from the greatness and the goodness of God. I was so happy that they were happy. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I could tell it was a relief from something called guilt. It's hard to get people to forgive you. Sometimes they just won't. I wouldn't want to be in their shoes. Because here's the deal. The Bible said, when you stand praying, when you have a need, when you are interceding, when you are making a petition before God, when you stand praying, Jesus said, forgive before you ask for anything. Remember the pattern prayer called the Lord's Prayer, which is really a pattern for us to pray and should be a part of every prayer that is prayed. Forgive us our trespasses contingent upon what? As we forgive those who trespass against us. God says, I can't and I will not forgive you if you won't forgive the person who hurt you. A spiritual law. God is not mocked. What a man sows, what a man sows, what a man sows. I sowed mercy toward my sister. Hallelujah. Amen. And there have been times I have needed some mercy from the Lord. And because I, I knowed I sowed it, <laughs> I said I knowed I sowed it. That's not good grammar, but I knew that I had sown those those seeds. I wasn't afraid of the harvest that was going to come up. I didn't sow discord. I didn't sow meanness. I didn't sow unforgiveness. Praise God. Hallelujah. There is a love. It's not your kind of love. It's not produced by the flesh. There is a love higher and than our fleshly ability to love. There is a love, the Scripture declared, that covers a multitude of sins. 
covers a multitude of faults. A love that forgives. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Can't help but being angry. The Bible said be angry and don't let it lead you to sin. Be angry and what? Sin not. Sun go down on your head 24 hours? No. Sun don't wait 24 hours to go down. 12 hours. You get up mad? Deal with it before the sun goes down. Lest there be in any of you a root of bitterness that springs up and troubles you. I've heard people talking about things that they had not forgiven that, that span decades Still holding on to that. Still like a a wound that's bleeding that has never coagulated and been healed. (laughs) Never scabbed over. Amen. And become a scar instead of a wound. I got a lot of scars, but I ain't nothing bleeding. Can you say, man? Spiritually, I got a lot of scars. I could show you my scars. I could... We are pastors. We've seen it. We've seen a thing or two, so we know a thing or two. Can you say, man? But I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of scars. You know what scars prove? Wounds have been healed. Oil and wine has been poured into those wounds. Praise God. Hallelujah. And I still have my joy. And I still have peace. Hallelujah. I can lay me down without without any malice toward anybody, without a grudge. There are people who have disappointed me deeply, but I'm not angry at them. Hallelujah. And there's somebody somewhere that's going to receive the word of God and be saved. Somebody somewhere is going to grow up instead of just grow old. Somebody's going to be transformed in the renewing of their mind and begin to walk in a newness of their spiritual walk. Somebody's going to rededicate to the Lordship of Jesus and rearrange all of their priorities. And when they do, God is going to rearrange their life. Hallelujah. And the victim is going to become a victor in the name of Jesus. Can you say man? Are you into that? Are you up for that today? Here's the scripture we read last week. I just pushed pause. We just pushed unpause to finish. Let us draw near the heart of God. The heart of God is for you to know him intimately and personally. And he takes the initiative. Remember what he said to the church of Laodicea? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, how does he knock? How does he knock? He knocks by speaking to your heart. Listen to me carefully. He may speak to you through this message. He may be knocking in that sense right now at your heart's door. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, boy, he really wants in. See, if somebody knocks like you go witnessing and you hope nobody comes to the door, and and if he does come, you hope he doesn't weigh 300 pounds and covered with tattoos like Josh. Not not 300 pounds, just that, you know, he's a a teddy bear. He's he's a, what'd you say? Okay, don't pay no mind to Sherry anyway. (laughs) 
If they knock on the door and there's no answer, that's one thing. If they ring the doorbell and there's no answer, that's one thing. But if they know you and they know your home, they're not going to just knock on the door. They're going to knock on the door and say, Sherry, oh, Sherry, Doug, Doug, come on. Behold, I stand at the door. No, I stand at the door. Doug! <laughs> what is it? The porch light's home, but nobody's home. Doug is home. And God knows where he lives and knows his zip code. Can you say man? Sometimes there'll be a sermon that convicts you. It's because God wants fellowship with you. God wants you to draw close to him. God wants you to dwell under the shadow of his wing. Amen. So when the trouble comes, you're already there. He don't want trouble to drive you to God. He won't love to draw you to himself. Isn't that a big difference for his love to draw you? For you want to be in his presence. You want to be in his house. You want to hear his word. You want to worship with the saints of God. Hallelujah. You have a desire that has changed. Praise God. And the world keeps vying for your attention. And you keep choosing your king over this old world. And all of the glistening things that it has to offer. Listen to me carefully. Let us what? Draw near. Let us draw near. Let us draw near. What did he say about drawing near in the old covenant? What did he say about drawing near? Draw near to me and I will reciprocate. <laughs> Somebody convicted me one time. I was seeking God and I got busy with this and busy with that and distracted by this. And some of it is not just the pleasures of the world, but the responsibilities of life. How many know if you you got to pay your bills, you got to take care of this, and you got to take care of that, and you got to do this, and you see, used to see people in gliders on their front porch. Time to just sit out there and rock back in rocking chairs. If a rocking chair is on the front porch, then it hasn't been stolen yet. And if it's sitting on the front porch, it's probably ornamental. Because you never see anybody just sitting out there rocking in the rocking chair. You know? You don't, you, you see anybody drive by. You know, you don't know. You, you just, everybody's inside watching TV or, or doing something else. That time to seek the Lord, draw nigh unto me and I will draw nigh unto you. The Bible said to seek the Lord. To, to prepare a heart for it, to, to break up your fallow ground. Fallow ground is unplowed earth. It's fallow. You can't plant seed in unplowed earth. You've got to plow before you plant. So the Bible says, break up your fallow ground. Prepare your heart to receive from God as part of drawing near to him. Break up your fallow ground. Amen. And seek the Lord. Until he come and rain, he's coming. When you start plowing, he's ready to start planting. Can you say amen? But if you don't break up your fallow ground, what's going to happen? Even in this service with the word coming under the anointing and by the scripture and by the Holy Spirit, what's going to happen? Nothing's going to change. 
Your schedule is going to be just like it always was, and your flesh will win because you feed it more than you feed your spirit. The dog you feed the most is going to win that fight every single time. So starve the flesh and feed your spirit. Oh, Brother Venable, then I won't have any fun. No, you'll have something better than fun. You'll have the joy of the Lord, which is your strength to live in this fall. All those people having fun out at the bar down in Ebo City last night, they're not having no joy this morning. Amen. They're getting up with a hangover, wondering if they had unprotected intimacy, uh, wondering if they're going to get caught because they went out with the girls or the boys and they, they, they did something they, that now they're having to hope nobody finds out. They're living with guilt and fear, and it's not fun. Sin isn't fun. The flesh can't fulfill your heart no matter how much pleasure you try to give it. And if Christians would make Jesus Lord again, wouldn't that be something? In the Old Testament, the word is Adonai. It's not a name for God. It's a title of God. Adonai. Adonai. And it means my Lord. And if you put it in context of relationship, it means my love and my Lord. If a man loved me, I can be his Lord. If a woman loved me, I can be her Lord. Why? Because if a man loved me, he'll keep my commandments. And that's how you prove his lordship. Oh, it gets sentimental when we sing, he is Lord. He is Lord. Well, of course, he is Lord. That's not the big issue to you. He's risen from the dead, so he's got to be the Lord. He's the master of the universe. Absolutely. The question isn't, is he the Lord? The question is, is he your Lord? Is he my Lord? Can you say amen? That's what it means to seek ye first the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, one and the same, and his righteousness. (sighs) See, when you make him Lord, you want to be right with him. When you make him Lord, you want to be right with him. I said, when you make him your Lord, you want to be right with him. Not just positionally because of the blood that was shed for you, but personally. Hallelujah. Take heed, Paul said to the early church leaders, that you feed the flock of God over whom the Holy Ghost has made you an overseer. Take heed that you feed the flock of God. So that what? so that they can have the inheritance that is theirs in Christ, so that they can be fed with knowledge and understanding. They can seek the kingdom first so God can take care of what they think they can't do without. And God can show them that he can really meet their need without them having to compromise to have it met. They can actually keep his commandments and have their needs met. When I left Tampa Electric... I came to a parsonage that was in disrepair. Actually, they condemned it. (laughs) They condemned it and said, we're going to have to tear it down uh, and rebuild it from the foundation up, which we didn't have the money nor the church to do. So we bought us a mobile home in a mobile home, put it in a mobile home park. And that's where we lived for years. And it was a 
joy to go to that mobile home <laughs> where there wasn't a hole in the floor and everything worked and, and there wasn't anybody laying under my porch all bloody. And anyway, we had, a, we had some experiences in Suffering Springs. Oh, yeah, we were taking an afternoon nap, and we were actually napping. It wasn't any, you know, we wasn't even hanky-panky. It was just napping. But when you wake up from a nap and church people are in your home, you know, you're. He didn't even tell us. We walked in the living room. I could have been in my BVDs. You actually wore BVDs? You didn't wear long johns? No, I'm, it's too hot in Florida for long johns. Amen. Oh well. Just it's yeah, 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 yeah. True. I, I even said it one time. I think it was probably on our thirtieth anniversary. You know. I said, Come next Sunday, I'm gonna be pre because somebody had bought me a suit. Actually it was a Johnny Carson suit back then. And it was in a paper bag on my porch and it said irregular on it. And it fit me perfectly. <laughs> Amen. And I thought, Lord, you, you know your business. Not only did they get a bargain, but it fit me perfect because I'm an irregular. It's just like having a tailor make it for me. So I was so proud of that suit. I told people, next Sunday, don't miss it. We're having celebration of our anniversary, of my birthday and anniversary together. And I'm going to be preaching in my birthday suit. Now everybody would stay home. Anyway, moving right along. God has been good to me. I want to help you crucify the flesh, if that's all right with you. I want to help you by bringing the word of God that's going to challenge you today. I want to be a coach to you. I don't want to beat you over the head with the word and tell you how awful you are. You know how awful you are. I don't have to tell you. You're in my flesh. Come on, I want to give you a scripture for how awful we are. If we don't crucify the flesh in your flesh, and I don't care how religious you seem, in your flesh, there is no good thing. It's not there. And all this religious pretense and put on is not going to change that reality. So if you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to have to not try to do it with a, with a professed religious flesh religion religious attitude in my flesh and yours is no good thing that's why if you're going to be a disciple of jesus you must deny that part of yourself deny yourself and and then do what take up your cross now most people the flesh kicks in when they hear that and the flesh says yes oh it worked no one respects me they call me Holy Joe, Holy Pam, Holy Bob. Oh, they all talk about me because I'm a Christian. They ostracize me. They don't want to be around me. They avoid me. That's not the cross that you're bearing. That's your flesh complaining about being criticized for being a Christian. And what did Jesus say? If they cast out your name for my sake, rejoice. And be exceedingly glad. Don't get a case of the poor old me's because the world don't embrace you. He said, if it hated me, it's going to hate you. 
wear it as a badge of honor. I belong to him. I'm not part of them. It's not self-righteousness. It's just righteousness, period. Wow. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward where it matters in heaven. Hallelujah. And the reward here is dwelling under the shadow of the Almighty. So you don't just run to him when there's trouble. You live in that place. That's why the Bible said in Psalm 90, Lord, first verse, thou hast been our dwelling. This is not where we visit. This is not where we go in and go out like a revolving door. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place throughout all generations. And then the great protection psalm, Psalm 91, because thou hast made the Lord thy God, thy what? Dwelling place, thy habitation. And under his wings thou art come to trust. You, everything that's scaring everybody else silly is not scaring you. Can you say, man, thou shalt not be afraid. Isn't that wonderful? He marks us with his peace and with his with the confidence and consolation of knowing that he is our Lord. He is our heavenly father. He cares for us. He provides for us. His name is Jehovah Jireh, the many breasted one, not El Chipo. It's El Shaddai. Can you say man? Hallelujah. When, when does Jesus become the Lord? What changes when he is Lord? I remember they told me, Right after I got saved at Winn-Dixie, I worked at the warehouse right behind the Funland Drive-In. I was good at my job. I pulled a bonus. That means I pulled enough that they gave me extra money for so much tonnage that I pulled. I sweated through a uniform working in a five below zero frozen food box. I would sweat through it, and my back would be like a turtle because it would freeze, and you could peck on my back. And they gave me every new person to train because they thought it was the technique I was using when, in fact, I was taking Benzedrine. And all of us were. From the truck drivers, we would buy bennies, which would speed up your heart rate. And that's why I was sweating in five below zero. And I'm going to tell you, I couldn't go to sleep when I got home. Because the bennies were still in my system. So under the seat of my 59 Plymouth, there was a pint bottle of Southern Comfort whiskey. Because I don't know if you anybody was lost before you got saved. Anyway, Southern Comfort is a smooth whiskey. It, it, you don't necessarily need a chaser. You could drink it straight. And I, I could sip it, my man, right out of the bottle. Oh, somebody was lost for they got saved. Lord, have mercy on their soul. I'm so glad you're in God's house today. I'm so glad you're not tipping. I gave it up almost 30 years. Almost 30 years. Somebody give God a praise in this room. Ah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. It almost killed me not drinking. But what having a wreck in my car while coming down, I didn't go to bars. I didn't drink to get high. I drank to go to sleep. I drank to go to sleep. 
I drank to go to sleep. On my break, though, we would go with my friends to the ABC liquor store on Hillsborough Avenue and 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 drink uh, something with a vodka drink. I forget what it was. Doesn't matter. Just get some alcohol because and we'd do that instead of eating. I had no weight problem back then. <laughs> Amen. I smoked and I drank to take the place of eating like I should. Listen to me carefully. But friend of mine, when I came to Jesus, everything in my life changed. If any man be in Christ, he's not the old man made better. He's not the old man highly improved. He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Everything have become new. We used to sing it in Pentecostal circles. I looked at my feet and they looked new. I looked at my hands and they did too. I'm in a new world since the Lord saved me. Can you say, man, we got a lot of people in church, but they're not in a new world. Amen. They're not walking in kingdom reality. They're not walking in kingdom values. They do not represent this great king, this Lord, this sovereign. And I remember I was hungry for righteousness. I wanted to be in God's house on Sunday because my soul needed it. It wasn't a Sabbath thing. It wasn't a guilt thing. It was a hunger thing. I got hungry for God. I wanted to be there because I was hungry to worship Him. I wanted to be there because I was hungry for the Word of God. I wanted to be there because my soul longed for him and I went to my foreman and I told my foreman I said listen I have given my heart to Christ which that didn't move him at all actually this foreman that was so hard on me and blew away my any faith of mine like it wasn't nothing the last time I saw him and he was a company man he said you cut me and I bleed Winn-Dixie In other words, I'm a company man, and the company is everything. I saw him working part-time one Christmas at a Toys R Us because his alcohol problem had got him fired from the company that he devoted his life to. Listen to me carefully. I was so glad to be me instead of him. Amen. He had the extra money. He had the extra salary. He had the promise of going up with the company, but he ended up working part-time at Toys R Us because of alcoholism, because all of that can't satisfy those deep longings of the human soul. There's not enough liquor. There's not enough houses and lands and cars and gold and silver to give you the peace of Christ and the joy of the Lord. Can you say, man, hallelujah? And I had it. <laughs> and I thought, I'm the rich man. I'm the rich man. I'm the rich man at my worst. I'm richer than you are, will ever be. And I only wish that you would follow the master that I am following, that you would know him as your Lord and Savior. Listen to me. We've got a generation of Christians today that don't understand we've got the ox and the cart mixed up. We've got people getting their free ticket to heaven claiming Christ is their Savior. But they have no idea what it means for Jesus to be Lord. And we have people that once made him their Lord, but have drifted away, and the flesh was fed more than the Spirit, and because of it the Spirit is dried up, 
and the hunger isn't there anymore. And if the hunger isn't there, you have no reason to be here. There's nothing to highly motivate you to be in God's house. Remember the song we used to sing? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of life of the strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. The things of the world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, mark it down, the love of the Father, literally the love for the Father, is no longer in them. We've fallen out of love with Jesus. When you fall out of love with him, then there's no hunger to be right with him. It just doesn't matter. We feed our flesh and our spirit withers within. And our faith gets crusty and rusty. Because we're not hearing the word of God. When are we going to hear it? We want the preacher to hurry up and get done so we can hurry up and go feed the flesh some more. Paul put it this way. Their, their God is their belly. Their flesh rules them. Their flesh, it's not just about feeding food into this belly, but their God is their flesh. And it's always hungry. Have you ever noticed that? It never gets enough. Ever getting, but never, ever, ever getting enough. There's no replacement for God's peace. There's nothing in the world can take the place of his joy in your life. Let us draw near. Why? Because God always, without fail, reciprocates. Someone convicted me in a service when I was too distracted with other things because they said, you're as close to God as you want to be. What? No, I'm not. I want to get closer to God. They said, you're as close to God as you want to be. Because if you draw near to him, because you want to be closer to him, he's going to draw near to you. Can you say amen? amen? What did the scripture say? And you shall find me. When you seek after me for an hour and a half on Sunday. And you shall find me when you seek after me with what's left over after you take care of everything else that you deem so important and prioritize in your life. No, you shall find me when you seek after me with all of your heart. Is he making it hard? No. He's making it easier. Because he knows as long as we're not wholeheartedly seeking him, other things are going to come entering in. Some seed fell on the, on the highway and some fell on the stony ground. Some fell on good ground that had all that potential to grow and produce fruit. But the weeds grew up. When the little shoot came up of that new growth, weeds came along with it and choked it. And they said, what does this mean? It says, when anyone hears the word and the cares of this life 
your responsibilities. You've got to make room for God. You can. It can be done. But it can't be done as long as that's not the most important thing. It'll only be done when their priorities are rearranged. I know people with calls on their life, but they'll never fulfill it because the kingdom isn't first. God can't use you if you don't represent His kingdom. God couldn't use me when I went to my boss and I said, I I need to be in church. My family, I've got my family in church. I've become a Christian. God has saved me. And I want to be in church on Sunday. And I will take a pay cut. I will give up my salary to become sanitation and work Monday through Friday or Monday through Saturday. But Sunday is sacred to me. And I need to be in God's house. And he says, but we need you where you are. And I said, well, I need to be in God's house. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. I didn't tell him that because it's irrelevant to him. But I was hungry and thirsty for righteousness. And God did fill me. But listen, you have to make decisions along the way. Seek ye what? First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Hallelujah. And all these things, he he began to talk about how he provides for everything else that he's created in this world to let you know he can take care of you if you put him first. Consider the lilies. They don't toil nor spin. They don't go to produce a flower because God provides the rain. The nutrients in the soil, the sunlight for osmosis to occur. Oh, we'll have a biology class here. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Amen. God provides. And Solomon, in all of his glory, with all of his material gaining wealth, was not clothed as one of these. If God so clothed the lilies of the field, can't he put some clothes on you? Oh, this is what Jesus said. Don't look at me the way you're going to look at me after I say it. The words of your master, O ye of little faith. O ye of little faith. If I put God first, I'm going to lose this. I'm going to lose that. No, you're not. You're going to have a God whose blessing rests upon you because you are right with him. And there's nothing wrong with getting right with God. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the next week I went in expecting to have my schedule be rearranged so I could be in church with my family. And... (laughs) And I asked my foreman, I said, sir, I was very respectful, respectful. I said, sir, have you talked to the plant manager about my situation? I'm willing to take the pay cut. I've been with this company for six or seven years, and I've been loyal, and I've been faithful, and I'm asking for a demotion <laughs> so I can be in God's house because I really believe that if, that if I made less but I had more of righteousness with him that he would somehow stretch what I made and he did (laughs) I was getting ready to really get a stretching boy (laughs) hallelujah because he looked at me 
And he said, the man said, the man said, because they always called the plant manager the man. The man said, as, and he said it mean to me. He said, the man said, as long as you work here, you do what you're told to do. And I thought, you don't understand. I was as calm as a cucumber. Makes me mad now. But, I, but at the time, I was cool as a cucumber. And you know what? I thought, I got a new master. I got a new boss. I got a new master. You don't understand what you're saying and who you're talking to. I'm not the old guy that was scared of you and scared of as if I don't have this job. I don't know how I'm going to make it. I'm not that man. That was an old thing. That passed away. Something new's going on inside of me. Praise God. Everybody else hop. When you holler frog, they say... Well, if you holler, jump. You know, it's all about the frog and jumping, right? You got it. In other words, you got, you're, a, you're a wise audience this morning. In fact, we got church full of wise guys today. Amen. God is good. Listen to me. Listen to me. As we challenge each other here today. Praise God. And I said, he said, as long as you work here, the man says you do what you're told to do. I didn't say anything in a mean way. I said, so you're saying you won't work with me on getting me off so I can be in God's house with my family. The man said, as long as you work here, you do what you're told to do. I said, okay. Thank you for the opportunity that I've had for these five or seven years. I forget what I had a five-year pen. I know that. Don't know how long I'd had it. But I walked out. And I went to work for about four hours a day, filling in for my dad at a service station. That's back when it was full service. We'd put gas in your car, clean the bugs off your windshield, check the air in your tires. Amen. Put oil in if you needed it. And that's what I did. And we had to sell. We had bought a TV. It was a console. It was 20 Three, you hearing me? 23. No more 19 inch. This was a 23 inch. And it was in a beautiful cabinet. And we had almost paid it off. Oh, my. But that first month without that salary, uh, we, we, we sold that to a guy that knew we were backwards against it. Well, we sold him for about what? We had to pay our rent. You got to pay rent. It was either roof or TV, and we almost picked the TV, but was no place to plug it in, afraid to get wet in the rain. <laughs> and I watched that TV go out the door. He bought it for almost nothing, but we paid our rent for another month. I watched that TV go out the door, and I thought, oh. <sighs> Oh, Lord, you're so strict. <laughs> oh, Lord, what I've given up for your kingdom and your calling. 
<laughs> it's a, oh, come on, your old flesh don't like that stuff. Your flesh don't like it. When you put that flesh on that cross, taking up your cross means crucifying your flesh. It don't mean whining over being persecuted. That's your flesh right there, and it needs to get on the cross. The Bible said you need to rejoice when that occurs. It marks you as truly one of mine. If the world loved, if the world loves you, the world loves its own. But if marvel not if the world hate you. Hallelujah. Anyway, I chose righteousness and the kingdom. We got down. We had a twenty dollar grocery budget. Told this before. I'll say it in closing. <laughs> How could we live a week on twenty dollars? I told you God can stretch things. Hallelujah. I said, God can and will stretch things. See, God's blessing on the meal barrel, and it almost empty, is better than a full one without it. I wouldn't trade my blessed meal barrel for your full one anytime. Trump is miserable. He's a billionaire, but he's miserable. Being the president will make you miserable. It turned Obama's hair gray. Amen. Went in a young man full of ambition, came out a skinny old man. Oh, if I could only be president. If I could only if I could only have a billion dollars to get anything I wanted. There's John D. Rockefeller. What what do we get a man? On his birthday, that's got everything. If you could have anything you wanted, what would you want? He said, more money. He was a millionaire then, and that was considered rich. Now millionaire is chump change. Not for me and you, but... (laughs) 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 Hallelujah. But, But compared to Bill Gates... Who has more... Your multi-billionaire... But ask him if money in and of itself, if the material world can make you fulfilled. And the answer will come back, no, never. See, going and putting the kingdom first means that you found the real fountain of living water. You're drinking deeply from that fountain now. And you've got something the world doesn't have and can't buy with all the money in the world. I'm here with a bunch of rich rich folks today. You may not know it, but I'm here with a bunch of rich folks today. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We were talking the other day about how, you know, things come to mind that happened a long time ago and some of the most ridiculous things that we've been through and, and, uh, and hurt. I mean, we were victims back then. We were hurt, and it, and we both almost had breakdowns during a certain decade that we we were. But and I, there's one time a group of people got together, you know, said some pretty hurtful things, and he called home crying, you know. And I told him. Mm-mm. Anyway, we were talking the other day, and it is so good. To not be victims. Anymore. We're not victims anymore. No. God has shown us who we are yeah. and how that we are human and we do make mistakes, but he forgives us just like he does anybody else. You know, and he... He, uh, he actually loves us. We learn from our 
from those mistakes. Yeah. But it feels so liberating yes. not to feel like a victim and not to look at those things in the past and, and have that pain that we had at that time. Exactly. No, that's the past. And we always catch each other's attention and say, all right, that's the past. Yeah, We're moving on up now. Right. But it's, it's just good to be in this state. It's good to be free. Yes, hallelujah. We don't envy anyone else. We don't compare ourselves to anyone else. Yeah. And, I mean, we know, we very well know that we are weak and, and we need our God. Amen. We need him all the time. But we're not victims. No, we've got him. Yes. No longer a slave to fear, for I am a child of God. I hope all of y'all love me because I love y'all. But even if you don't, God does. Would it hurt me if you were mean to me? Yeah. Am I going to be a bowl of jelly and just wither away? No. I'm a child of God. His hand is upon me. He called me to do what I'm doing. And the proof of the calling is 45 years of doing it in spite of the hurt, the pain, the tears, the fears, the brokenness, everything that goes with it, the pressures. 20,000 will leave the ministry before this year is up in America, not in the world, because of the pressure and the pain and the disappointment and the disillusionment. These men come out of Bible college, believe they're going to go stand behind a pulpit and everybody's going to love them for the dedication and bringing the word. And it's just not that way. You say, well, many of them are not called. True. Timothy was called, but he was discouraged and disgusted and broken. You know what had happened in Timothy's case contextually? People had left the truth and run after some new trend and left him standing there with the truth anointed and appointed to preach it. Paul's protege. <laughs> and he got disgusted and discouraged. You know what? Great prophets of old get disgusted and discouraged. Jeremiah down in the mire said what? Handpicked by God to go and speak unto Israel. He said, I will not speak for him anymore. No one's changing no one's repenting, and I'm getting it in the neck for even preaching repentance. Can you say amen? But he was truly called, and he said, I couldn't hold it back. One way to find out if you're called, it'll keep you. It'll keep you to stay the course. Hallelujah. Oh, I used to look at scenes of a farmhouse on a hillside, and I thought I can see me in gallus overalls. Can you see me in gallus overalls? In gallus overalls. I'm talking about, what is it? The Oshkosh Begosh. Remember that brand? You know, gallus overalls. I can see me in gallus. I can see me with no socks on. Gallus overalls. Well, I'd have to wear socks with my, you know, don't want to get my feet raw, but I could see me sitting on that front porch. Pamela inside, cooking cooking something succulent for supper. I can smell it through the screen door. 
I can see you sitting in it too now. Now that I've been serving her, I can see her sitting in that rocking chair. We'd be just like those two Quakers sitting in the rocking chair. Rocking back and forth. Rocking back and forth. John looks over at Maudie and says, Maudie, I think the whole world has gone crazy except me and thee. And sometimes, Maudie, I wonder about thee. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and I thought, oh, retirement will be so wonderful. I will sit on a front porch somewhere. We don't need a lot. We don't need no more than we used to need. We got Jesus and we're happy. We got each other. And and we need a doggy. I need one of them old flop eared hound dogs laying on the front porch, you know, just as lazy as I am. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. And I thought, that's where I want to be uh, right now, because the pressure's on. I'd rather be right there than up in up in in under the lights with all the pressure that goes with it. But there's a fire shut up in my bones. Hallelujah. And I'm glad for it. I feel the flame of it right now. I'm challenging people in this room to make Jesus the Lord of your life by getting hungry and thirsty for righteousness again. Draw nigh to God and he will reciprocate. He will draw nigh to you. Praise God. Brother Rebel, how will I know? Oh, you'll know. You'll know. You can't help but know. You will sense his presence. You will, you will operate in a, in a faith that you are right with God. It brings a confidence and a courage that doesn't come when there's a sense of guilt, not just for sins of commission, but, but those sins of omission. Boy, this is a great message. Let us draw near with a heart, true heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, conscience defiled by guilt. Let us go right in, the paraphrase says, into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him, for our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood. To make us clean, our bodies have been washed with pure water. Praise God. How many has ever prayed Isaiah, Psalm 51? Psalm 51 says, create in me a clean heart, renew in me a right spirit. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. In other words, don't let me grieve the Holy Spirit. Amen. Grieve is a love word. It's not because he's angry at you. He's mad at you. It's because he's hurt because you have pushed him away. You have pushed away his promptings when he came to knock and to call on your heart's door. Isaiah 51. I'm going to read one through three that sets up the rest that I just quoted to you. Oh, by the way, when we get right with God, we become a city set on a hill which cannot be hid. You better get ready to give an answer for all men for the reason of the hope that's in you because it, they're going to see the difference in you. They're going to see your values don't match theirs and yet you're happier than they are. Your values don't match theirs and yet you're fulfilled more than they are. Can you say amen? He hath made me glad, Psalm 4 says, more than in the time that their corn and their wine did increase. When they get a bonus, when they get, uh, when they get uh, uh, 
win a million dollars, when their their crops come in, their business flourishes, when they move up to the east side to the brand new apartment in the sky, amen, not heaven, down here. They they know how to how to shout and and to say glory. Oh my, I'm so blessed. Oh my 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 amen. Well this time God's people got that oh my my about Jesus and the kingdom of God and the peace of God and the joy of the Lord. Hallelujah. So what happens? Listen, creating me a clean heart, renewing me a right spirit. That's that hunger to be right with God. Hallelujah. And take not the Holy Spirit from me. Then, then shall transgressors learn your ways. They will see in me the benefit and the value and the blessing of walking right wise before God. Hallelujah. Then transgressors will learn your ways. And if they're honest, they'll say, that's a better way than my way. The way of the transgressor is what? Hard. But my yoke is easy. (laughs) My burden is light. Hallelujah. You go in lighthearted on a Monday when they're hungover and guilty. And you go in right with God and lighthearted, they're going to know what, they're going to wonder what you're taking. And you can show them, amen. You can tell them the reason for my hope, my peace, my joy is because I'm following Jesus. Hallelujah. Listen, listen to the context. Oh, about, let me finish that. I've got to hurry. It's almost over. Then shall transgressors learn thy ways. 12, 15, 45 minutes. You can't, you can't fool me. <laughs> Just because I don't look at my watch, don't, 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 we're almost done, and I promise. Then shall transgressors learn that it's my birthday. I can preach as long as I want. <laughs> then shall transgressors learn thy way. And listen, sinners shall be converted unto thee. When I get right, I become a city set on a hill, which cannot be. I don't have to buttonhole someone, shove them up against the wall and try to get them to accept Jesus. They'll be drawn to Jesus because they see Jesus in me. And they'll see Jesus' joy in me and Jesus' peace in me and Christ's love in me. And they don't have it. I got something they don't have. Praise God. Listen to what he said. Have mercy on me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. By the way, this psalm was written when David was repentant of the awful sin that he had committed. And he had committed adultery. He had committed fornication. He had committed murder to cover his sin. And he was as despicable as anyone could. If you think you had guilt, you should be in his shoes and what he had to live with until he got it dealt with amen have mercy upon me O God according to thy loving kindness according to the multitude of thy tender mercies blot out my transgressions wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me listen One translation said, wash me clean from my guilt, purify me from my sin, 
for I recognize my shameful deeds. They haunt me day and night. If something is gnaw on you, gnawing on you, you need to bite it back. You need to plead the blood of Jesus. And you need to confess. If we say that we have no sin, we're not honest, we're disingenuous, we're lying to ourselves and to God and to others. But if we confess our sin, and what should, what should cause us to confess, it's not mouthing the words, it's really having a heart to repent. I want to change my thinking. I want to change the direction of my life. I want, to, I want God, with God's grace, mercy, and help, to change this thing. He's faithful and just to forgive our sin, to cleanse us. And that's that cleansing where the guilt has to go. If something's gnawing on you, bite it back with the blood of Jesus. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is worth the time. You may not feel like it. You may not think it is. But the time you're investing is worth every minute. Because when you walk through those doors, your flesh is not going to spend time in God's Word. It has no desire for it. It doesn't. It's going to do what it's trained to do until you crucify it. It's going to seek pleasure. And what happens is when the flesh rules, we love pleasure more than we love God. And when we do, the priorities match for where your treasure is. That's where your heart is going to follow. Amen. So don't lay your treasure up down here. Lay it up above. I can preach a 15-minute sermon and go home. And I've got some good things waiting for me at home. I've got a dog that's going to jump up on the door, just so happy to see his daddy. But as soon as he jumps up on the door, he's going to look past me to his mommy because he's a mama's boy. <laughs> Amen. Oh. I got a son that loves his father, Matthew. He loves me. I remember when I had a stroke, first week I was home, we were walking the dog, and we were walking down a sidewalk, and Matt kept looking at me, kept looking at me, kept looking at me. So I stopped because I want to know why he kept looking at me. And he jumped over, and he grabbed me, and he hugged me, and he was crying. He said, I've been wanting to do this ever since you got home. And I thought, why didn't you go ahead and do it then? <laughs> Amen. I like this. It's good when someone in their 40s still hugs their daddy. Remember when you went and Paige was loving daddy when you went to have your surgery? Amen. Paige loved her daddy. It was good, wasn't it, daddy? It's good to have somebody to embrace you like that. Hallelujah. God is good today. Well, this is the challenge. Let us draw near. Let us draw near. The veil has been rent. Jesus suffered and died on the cross so that veil could be rent. So we could draw near. So we could come into the presence of God. Hallelujah.
and he invites us to come. I had a book that was given me called Come Away, My Beloved. And it was prophecies that had been uttered, and all of the prophecies and all the interpretations that had been uttered had one theme, one overriding theme. And it was, I love you. Come closer to me. I love you. I want to talk with you. I love you. I want to walk with you. Take time for me. Come in. Not, God isn't begging, pleading. He's just saying. It's just like God is saying, I'm just saying. God is self-sufficient. He doesn't need something from you. But oh, how you need something from him. Can you say amen? Come away, my beloved. Take some time for me. Draw near to me so I can draw near to you. And what happens? In his presence is fullness of joy. And at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. I remember when I made the commitment and the doors began to open to minister. And I left the old life behind me. And I had a brand new master. And I'm going to tell you, God supernaturally provided for us. And I don't have time to tell you all the stories. But it strengthened our faith and our commitment to keep him first in our life. Because we found out that he, he would keep his promise. If the kingdom is first, if he's the Lord of your life, and, and it's represented by your choices in life, even if you sacrifice something, you're not giving up anything. You're making room for him to fill that, that nothing else can fill. Praise God. Amen. To have his peace, his joy, and your material needs met as well. And not have to compromise your faith. And not have to compromise your faith. Then transgressors will learn his ways. And sinners will be converted unto him. Can you say amen? Because your light shines. Hallelujah. Your good works is not just giving, putting something in the, in the bell ringer's bucket at Christmas. Your work is not just going down and feeding. So that's, that's social. That's all social. The spiritual part of your good works is your values being different than the world's and people seeing how God is caring for you and you're not having to compromise your faith to be cared for. I am not, you said something so good, and I'm going to repeat it. I'm not a victim. I'm a victor today. Hallelujah. Are you bragging? I'm bragging on Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. He that's in me is greater than he that's in the world. Hallelujah. And I'm glad to be here with you today to celebrate. 45 years. Hallelujah. And the devil is so mad. And he hates me so bad. <laughs> Hallelujah. He's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And I'm standing here telling you that he that's in us, not just me, but all of us, is greater than he that is in the world. Put God first again. Seek his kingdom and seek to be right with him. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God again, and he will lift you up in due season. I don't know where we're going from here. I don't know where I'm going from here, but I know that I'm on my way. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. I know I'm not competing with any church in this city. 
I know I'm not trying to get anybody else's sheep. I know I'm not trying to get anybody to come back that's left because if they heart was in it, they wouldn't, they would be here. So it's time to let it go and let it sift. Doug told me, don't sweat it. People are fickle. <laughs> Thank you, Doug, for reiterating that truth. Not you guys. I'm just talking about, you know, some people. Without a commitment, we're all fickle. Without a commitment, we're all fickle. But with a commitment, we're faithful. And God wants to raise up. That's why the Bible said, and that's why I enjoy ministering to what we have. The things thou hast heard of me, commit thou unto faithful, not fickle, but faithful men and women. Who shall teach others also. Can you say amen? You make disciples out of people who can make disciples out of others. Can you say amen?